The Rod and Staff podcast comes out of the host's passion for Christ and his church. It exists to encourage a deeper engagement with issues that pertain to doctrine and life. Check us out at rodandstaff.org. Welcome to the Rod and Staff podcast. I am your host, Roger, and today we have part two of our live Q&A that Jason and I recorded at a Wednesday night Bible study at our church. We also invited Pastor Hyde to join in the conversation and answer some questions. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. Well, now we're going to turn to a social justice question. Hike has all the answers. These are, this, is, this is for Hike actually. This is for Hike. We'll see if we turn to Roger, too. Um, Hike, as a Christian, how much responsibility should I feel to all those who are hurting throughout the world? Should I seek to donate, give, learn about every cause, even if it doesn't affect me personally? Uh, there's probably a f- few things there to talk about. First of all, I don't think we're responsible for every cause. That's just impossible, right? Um, but it's it's not necessarily the ones that don't affect us uh, that uh, we should leave off. Uh, I think it's very it's the love it's it's a it's reminds me of the love of Christ to pursue some causes even if they don't affect us, uh, just for the sake of having compassion on others who it is affecting. Um, so, so there are, there is, uh, I think, we, I think that's probably good for us spiritually uh, to practice that kind of selflessness um, and to, to, to lay down our own, you know, to, to support something that doesn't further our own personal agenda. That's probably so good for us spiritually. Um, and, uh, and we need to think about what ministry we could help with that's like that. But definitely don't try to go after every cause because ultimately you'll end up going after no cause uh, because you'll either burn out or you'll be so spread thin, spread out that uh, you won't be able to do any good for anybody. Uh, So how you choose that cause, don't let it depend on what benefits you, I I suppose ultimately most, but, but we do somehow prayerfully need to narrow down which ministries we want to personally um, help with. Uh, Roger, how, how would you go about narrowing that? Like, yeah. which, which ministries should we consider? I mean, I think Haig makes an important point. There's no way to meet every need. We see in the Gospels, the Lord even speaking of the poor, he says there's always going to be the poor, the needy. So... How would you go about making some decisions? Which one do I pursue? What do I help with? I think there's only one, and that's the nonprofit I work for. So that's <laughs> the only cause you should be interested in. <laughs> no, I, I think it's interesting because God tugs on our heart and works on our hearts. And sometimes he gives us a, a love and a compassion for a particular need in this world. Um, because God has been compassionate on us as believers... Uh, compassionate to save us from our sins. He's called us to be compassionate to others, uh, both those who are lost and those who are suffering. 
And I think that you could drive yourself crazy with the amount of brokenness you're going to find in this world. You just start going into one area, and if you keep going, you'll find out it's bigger than you ever imagined. So you can start with the poor, and you can realize there's more poverty than you expect. You're kind of shielded from the brokenness in a way, especially in the culture we live in. But you can go into trafficking, and you can start going down that hole, and you can start thinking, this is really bad. We need to be passionate about this. At the end of the day, I I think through... Um, that the goal is not to eliminate something. For example, the poor, you cannot eliminate poverty from this earth. But you can reach those people with the gospel and try to alleviate some of their suffering. So even our nonprofit, our focus is on the gospel first. We're meeting the need that they have of hunger, but we really want them to believe and trust in Christ because we're not going to eliminate the brokenness completely from this world. But how I think of it is if you're passionate and convicted about something, get involved with it. Volunteer, give your time, give your money to, to what God tugs your heart on and allow him to use you. That's how a lot of nonprofits got started. If you look at the presidents of a lot of these different nonprofits, God tugged on their heart for a specific area to focus on, and then they did. And God blessed it and, and, and used him in a mighty way. So don't try to save the world. There's only one Savior, that's Jesus. But try to do a part to alleviate some of the brokenness in the world. That's how I think about it. C- couple of questions to throw back on this topic at you guys is, one, are there any things that we should be cautious about and, and thinking about that might be traps that we can fall into with regard to some of these ways of helping and the second, um, and the second, I will get back to when I remember it. So start with that one. Are there any things that you should be kind of that you would try and caution people about in this area of trying to help and and bless and take care of the needy? What are some cautions? I think it, I think at first, not every not every cause is worthwhile and legitimate and done with integrity. So you have to be wise just in that. Look at where money is being spent. Look at what they're doing. Look at their mission statement. Vet them out. Um, Even Christian organizations, not every Christian organization, because they have the name Christian, is going to mean that it's completely legitimate. There are, think about this. There's sinners everywhere, and there's sinners who create nonprofits for sinful purposes. So I think vetting that out is important to do. Um, But I also would, just my personal opinion, if we're believers to support an organization that believes, you know, if you're going to give your full weight to it more than just a regular secular organization, not saying we shouldn't support them, you know, but really what is our purpose and our end goal? Um, And at least a organization that has Christian beliefs has the idea of the gospel and not just social need. So, yeah, we're called to make disciples of all nations. And as we alleviate some form of suffering, I think it would be really good if we're also giving the gospel through that ministry. I guess my other one wasn't a question. That's why I couldn't remember it. It was more kind of a statement and a caution myself I want to give is that, you know, we we got to be careful that when we pick a ministry that or, or we feel burdened for a particular cause, that we don't use someone else's lack of commitment to that cause as a as a way of judging them and saying, well, you should be along with me on this ride. 
well, the Lord might be pressing something onto your heart. He might be call, calling you to something. That doesn't mean that he's called everyone. There's one thing he's called us all to, and that is to declare the gospel to the ends of the earth. That we're all called to. Um, beyond that, it would be really difficult to prove through scripture that God has called each of us to each of these different needs. And I, that's just a caution that I'd like to to offer. Um I have a, a few more questions that I have on my list, but I want you to start thinking at this point, if you have any additional questions or clarifications, because the mic is there, and um, in, a, in a minute I will open it up for those that want to come up and, and ask a question. Um, but I want to turn to uh, a Christian living question, actually a couple of Christian living questions. Uh, Haig, we'll start with you. And the question, I'm going to actually give both the questions well, no, I'm going to start with one. All right. The first one is that they're related. That's why I was thinking of combining. But here, here's a question. How do we get motivated to get back into God's word when we are feeling down? How do we get motivated back into God's word when we're feeling down? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. But I think there's a few things that come to mind. One of them is uh, the encouragement of brothers and sisters in Christ, I think, is, is going to play a huge role in this. If we're down and on our own, we, it's going to be pretty difficult to muster up the strength and the motivation to get up and f- open our Bibles and focus. Uh, but if we have caring brothers and sisters who maybe we've asked to encourage us, to follow up with us, uh, to, to read our Bibles, that could help. I know there's a few people that have asked me to um, text them about this uh, and just to remind them, to encourage them in it. And I think that's helping. Um, but the other thing for me is uh, I, when, I, you know, when I go a day or two without being in the Word, I, I start feeling down, <laughs> partly because of not being in the Word, but I start thinking, okay, wh- what's... I, I just remember, what, why am I even here? I, I'm here to bring glory to God, and how am I going to do that without that time of communion with Him and His Word? Um, so I, I, I remind myself everything else can wait, and this is really important, and uh, I need to put aside my thoughts and, and get into this, um, even call out to God and ask for His strength uh, to be able to focus for a few, you know, even 10 minutes and get back into the Word because I know that being in the Word is so much better than all the other places I'm looking for happiness when I'm down. I know that truth. I just need to start, I need to act, I need to remind myself of that truth and I need to act on it. And I need to say, yes, this, this, this truth from God's Word is really that valuable. It's really that helpful to me when I'm feeling down, it's, it's where I need to turn. Nothing else can help me like God's word can. And look what I'm doing to you now. I'm encouraging you with these words. It's one brother to another brother, brothers and sisters. You hear this and it should help. If you do this to each other, it should help you all be in the word more too. Um, so that kind of goes back to the first point I was making. Roger? Uh, I would I would start by uh, defining what what the person means by being down. Um, uh, is this normal just sadness over something, or is this something major that somebody is is sad about? 
Um, because I think that when you think about feelings and you think about emotions that are coming out, it, it's like a blinking red light. And it's saying something about what's going on in the heart. And it, it, it causes one to look at what's going on inside um, that's keeping me. What am I worshiping at that moment? What am I thinking about? What am I pursuing? All has to do with, with our relationship with the Lord. Um, and so I, I'd want to dive more into it before giving an answer because it, it, there's too many assumptions to make. I would just say that it, it's a sign of something going on in the heart. And if you ignore what's going on in the heart, you're not going to get out of that cycle. You, you asked for more. I'm going to give you more. Because the next question or the next person who asked a question actually goes a little deeper, revealing some of those background questions that you uh, brought up. Here's what the statement says. I'm out of touch with God. I was raised as a Christian since I was a kid by my mother. And as a result of her pressuring me to come to church, participate in small groups, read the Bible, etc., I feel like I've grown a resentment that ultimately led me to disconnect from God during the end of my high school college years. That feeling of disconnect stems from this guilt I would receive whenever I would skip church or choose not to read God's word. And now that I have graduated and I'm living on my own, I have this urge to want to relearn God all on my own without this added pressure. However, I don't know where to start. Don't get me wrong, I still wholeheartedly believe that God sent his son Jesus to die for our sins, but I'm having trouble finding the motivation to do these things that so many Christians seem to do. So I guess my question is this, how do you find the motivation to keep God at the forefront of your thoughts and actions every day? I feel like I'll go a week or two not even thinking about him and then suddenly realize that I've been living sinfully sometimes and sometimes pray for forgiveness. How do I stop this up and down cycle I find myself in. How much time do I have? (laughs) Uh, It's such a great question uh, of thinking about the motivations of our heart and how we're or why we're pursuing the Lord. And and I want to start with answering it simply then unpack it. The simple answer is go back to the gospel and start with the gospel. The big answer or the unpacking it is what's going on in the motivation of the person's heart. It sounded to me like a lot of this person's pursuit when they were younger was very guilt-driven. Guilt-driven by a parent saying, you need to go to church and I'm dragging you to church. And it was just this guilty uh, thing going on in the heart and the person can feel guilty for not pursuing it, which is not a good motivation, not long-lasting. I think a few other wrong motivations that come out of our heart are fear. We fear that if we're not pursuing God, something's going to happen to us. Or we fear that we're not going to be blessed by God. And so we're pursuing God for the wrong motivations. Um, I think another one could be uh, you want something from God. So you're motivated uh, because you want his blessing. You want a, a, a life for you have trial, you think that you're on God's good side. All I'm trying to get at is there's a lot of wrong motivations in the heart on why we're pursuing God. We're not pursuing God for the sake of, of the gospel and the implications of that. We're pursuing it for some other motivation. I think the, 
the key is to think about grace-driven motivation. And let me give you a scripture that talks about it. Really, too, is, is Titus 3, uh, chapter 3, it says this. Uh, it says in verse uh, 4, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us not because of works done in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. In chapter 2, in verse 11, Titus says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Now, if you catch what's happening in those verses, it's starting with the love of God, the grace of God poured out richly in your life, poured out so much that there's nothing you ever did to earn your salvation. There's nothing you could do do to keep God from to keep God loving you that the only reason he loves you is because of Christ dying as a substitute for your sins and that he died for all of your sin past present future every bad thought you have every single day every word you've ever spoken every action you've ever taken he's looked at everything and seen all of it and he loved you and he poured out his grace richly, taking you out of darkness into the light, taking you from an orphan into the family of God. And he's poured out his love daily in your life. And you have this great, amazing future in eternity with him. The love of Christ is sweet to you how much God has done in your life, how he's poured out daily in your life. Romans chapter 5 talks about that, talks about the blessings that we have in him and how we're secure in him forever. And so if we start with performing for God, we're going to get in this cycle of, ah, I don't want to pursue him. I just, God has these demands on me, obey me, just purely just obey me. Instead, what I'm saying is go back to the gospel and let that lead you to him. Let, let that lead you to his love and to want to pursue him. I don't, I don't wake up thinking I should do this. I should read my Bible today. I want to know my father. I absolutely love Jesus more than anything in this world because of what he did for me. You can't stop me from pursuing him. I love him so much because he's so sweet to my soul. Take it all away. Take everything away. And at the end of the day, I have the most important thing in my life. And that's the Savior and the relationship with Him. And when you cultivate that, you don't need to question, am, am I motivated? Are there days that are hard to follow Jesus? Absolutely. That's part of the package. Life's not easy in the fallen world. But I'm talking about somebody I absolutely am in love with. And I'm going to pursue him. Sorry for the long answer, but it's, it's something that I think sometimes we flip upside down that we're basing our relationship too much on us and forgetting to focus on Jesus and what he's done for us each and every day. I was going to just say, the days that you wake up where you don't feel like you love Jesus more than anything else, mm -hmm. 
What do you do on those days? Those are the days I go back and I pray, Lord, my heart is in the wrong place this morning and I'm still in process of growing. Grant me more love to you. Change my heart. When I wake up, I had a season in my life where I just woke up with a wrong attitude and perspective every day. I had a terrible job at this season of life. And I use that as a springboard back to go to God because you could feel guilty. Like, oh, why don't I love him today? Why don't I love him enough today? But that's guilt. I'm not looking at it as he's mad at me because look at how I'm acting. I'm, look, I'm looking at him as he's a loving father. He's my father not looking at me as saying, I'm so disappointed today. Will you just get it together? It's no, he cares and he's going to pick me up when I'm in the dirt and never leave me or forsake me when I'm in those. We, we love because he first loved us, right? It's that, it's that thought. Yeah. It's not my love for him. It's his love for me that will cause my love for him, which is what you're saying. And it's not my obedience that gains his love. It's Christ's obedience that gained it. And it's not my obedience that keeps him loving me. It's still Christ's obedience that keeps me secure forever. You know, Roger said, um, I know I'm not supposed to be answering questions, but I'm, I'm going to answer anyway. Uh, Roger said we shouldn't be performing for God. Um, I think what we should be doing is keeping our eye on what he performed for us. Um, I, I think about it this way. My kids, now I hope they're not watching, but they, um, <clears throat> but they, or listening, but they, they will at times, I shouldn't embarrass them like this, but both of them had, have said, I hate you to me. Mm. Um, but I have never and can't imagine ever saying such words to them. Now, I know they didn't mean it, okay? But, but I was thinking about that with the Lord. I may push back on the Lord. I may say some awful things in my heart or think some awful things in my heart about the Lord, but that will never change his view of me covered in Christ. And I think that's huge to import, uh, and important to remember in, in what you were just discussing. And even to meditate upon that truth daily yeah. and to force yourself. When you don't feel like it, that's when you need to do it. You need to meditate and cultivate that in your mind. Because what's going on and what you're thinking about and meditating about is going to affect uh, how you're viewing and thinking about God. If you enjoyed this episode of the Rod and Staff podcast, please subscribe and share with others. For more information or to contact the host with questions or comments, please send email correspondence to feedback at rodnstaff.org. That is feedback at rod, the letter N, staff.org.